Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. What a great podcast we have for you today. It's going to be a lot of fun. So much to get to. So much going on in the world of wrestling. I didn't get to, uh, I didn't end up doing a bonus podcast. I know I tweeted a little bit about it, but I didn't end up doing a bonus podcast last week when we found out that John Cena was injured. Um, And I'll talk about that a little bit in the state of wrestling this week. But it just didn't feel, especially the day after, since it happened at night and I was on the air, it definitely didn't feel like it had the urgency that the Seth Rollins injury had. Uh, And I'll talk about that more in the state of wrestling. Uh, A lot to talk about with the Royal Rumble, with uh, 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 the Hall of Fame and Sting. Katie Linendahl is going to be joining me. Uh, Also, Katie and I were at TNA over the weekend. We went down to wherever it was in Pennsylvania, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. We were down there. We got to watch the show. And it was a fun show, man. It was fun. Uh, I mean, the roster's always good. Every match is good. Um, They do good live shows. I had fun when I went to see him at the Hammerstein about a year ago. uh, And I had fun when I saw him at Bethlehem. Hopefully... You know, hopefully something happens. I think it's almost like all the ingredients are there. You're just waiting for it to click, and it hasn't yet. Um, and that can only happen over time, I think. So I do hope that it does click because more wrestling is better. I don't know that it. I don't know if it will or not, but I hope that it does uh, because you know the the more good wrestling product on TV, the better. You want a place where someone like Mike Bennett could show up. And you're not thinking, ah, I should have gone to NXT. You know what I mean? You want an alternative uh, because it makes all wrestling better. It makes the lives of pro wrestlers who we love watching better. Everything gets better when there's an alternative. So hopefully it'll become that. Um, Hurricane Shane Helms is a big part of TNA right now. He's working behind the scenes and on camera. Uh, And I got the chance to sit down with him a little while ago. (coughs) Excuse me. And, you know, we got to talk about TNA. We got to talk about, you know, the dying days of WCW. We got to talk about the uh, the transfer of power when some of the WCW guys came over to WWE after the big buyout. Really interesting guy to talk to. I think people forget how much wrestling history Hurricane Shane Helms got to see. You know, I mean, he's seen so many different eras. He's been part of so many different locker rooms. He's seen it all. Uh, so I thought he'd be a great guest on the podcast. Very fortunate to have him with me in the studio. Here he is, uh, ladies and gentlemen, my guest on the podcast this week, the hurricane himself, Shane Helms. And now the Sam Roberts wrestling podcast interview. 
Here with me. No, go ahead. <laughs> this is way more professional than my podcast used to be. It is <laughs> very much so. Well, only the I had to I had to uh, put on an air of professionalism because Shane Helms is here. One of the uh, well, you were I guess on the on the forefront of wrestling podcast. You kind of jumped out of the wrestling podcast game just as it was getting hot. Yeah, it started to get crowded, so I was like, okay, you know, I, I helped advance this little uh, new scenario in wrestling, so. Once Steve Austin called me and asked for advice on how to do it, I was like, okay, I'm good. I've accomplished everything I can yeah, possibly you know, accomplish. I'm not going to compete with Austin on a podcast. And two, like I had in-studio guests in North Carolina, and I was just like, I'm not going to start flying people in. You know, you got New York. There's, you got a lot right. of options here. You know, Right. Smithfield, North Carolina, I don't have as many options to choose from. Yeah, you do. Then you get to a point where you're like, am I going to make enough money here to start flying guests in? Am I, or I guess it could be just you. Hanging out. Yeah. The uh, the people that were kind of sponsoring my show a little bit, they were asking me to start to do more and more, which, as you probably know, sponsors on as much, uh, you know, material and product out there as they can get. But, of course. Um, I'm not a professional. That was something I was kind of doing as a hobby to take, uh, you know, to um, pass the time a little bit and just to see if it was, if I was going to have fun with it. And I did have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But it, it's more difficult, as you probably well know, than most people think. You don't just come in here and babble for a couple of hours. There's a lot of preparation and set up and get yeah. people involved. Well, and- it's weird. People tend to think that just because it's talking, like like you look at what you guys do. And I know just watching it, I couldn't do that without years and years of training. And even so, I'm not athletically inclined enough to get that done. But a lot of people look at like what I do. Well, he's just talking. I can talk. Right. So I can exactly. do that. I can do a yeah. podcast or a radio show. It's not a problem. Have you ever had a guest? This the one. This was a, a big learning curve for me. Um, I had a guest, you know, and normally when you have a guest on, they're going to have something to talk about. Sure. But I just assumed that. I, I didn't <laughs> verify that before this guest came on. And I was like, so you got uh, any big projects coming up? And they're like, no, not really. And I was like, uh, so uh-huh. what's going on at the moment? Um, nothing really. Yeah. Um, so you you just came to my house to... Like, all right, uh, talk. You just thought it'd be yeah. fun to be on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, so then I kind of had to dig deep and, uh, you know, just kind of make it just a random, you know, let's talk about current events type thing. And I mean, we were able to pass the time, but that was something I wasn't prepared for. So from that show on, it's uh-huh. always, you got shit to talk about, right? <laughs> right. You, you're doing you know? something. Yeah. Yeah. Something, anything. Yeah. Oh, man. So you started wrestling at what age? Uh, the first professional match I had, I was 16 years old. And how much, how long had you been training? Um, I'm actually don't have any like official training. Right. Yeah, I'm one of the. Uh, I think I'm the only guy that kind of to make it to this level in this. You Just know, never had any in the training. Last, uh, you know, I would go in and bounce around with these people that had this little indie company that uh, I had started doing. You know, odds and ends for at, thir- at 13. Mm-hmm. Odds and ends, but um. Those guys didn't know what the hell they were doing either. And I could tell, like, I was kind of like... Well, yeah, they let a 13-year-old come and bounce around with them. Of course, yeah. But I was kind of showing them uh, things at 13, mistakes that they were making. Is Uh, it just because you had a good eye for it? Yeah, yeah, I definitely had a a, a good eye for it, a natural affinity for wrestling. I was like All-State my first year as an amateur wrestler. It was something I was kind of just had a natural gift at. I wish I would have been born in a place or lived in a place where... I could get into it, could have gotten into it when I was, you know, middle school or younger, mm-hmm. you know, like you see in Iowa and, you know, Penn State and stuff right. like that, to see kind of just how good I could have got. But uh, only doing it in high school, you know, uh, you know, I went off state my freshman year and I was, I was pretty good at, at that type of thing. But 
Pro wrestling was, I watched that way before the amateur stuff. That's, you did? Yeah, yeah, way, way. So before. was it one of those things where you got into amateur wrestling going like, with no entrances, no chairs? No, yeah, I don't I'm, understand. I thought this was wrestling. I'm, I'm ready for my pyro and shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, when I went out for the wrestling team, I walked in and saw that mat. I'd never seen that thing before, you know? <laughs> I was like, where, where, where's the ropes? Yeah, that's a circle. It's supposed to be a yeah. squared circle, not a circle circle. And I was insane, too, that freshman year. I would DDT people and the referee <laughs> would call me for it. I, try, I almost had a guy in the figure four one time. He did. Like, it was so damn close, and the, uh, the referee blew the whistle, and he knew what the figure four was, too. Uh-huh. He goes, you can't put a guy in the figure four, and I'm like, why not? Yeah. I mean, nobody ever told me I couldn't. Right. And, until then. We're not, yeah. not great coaching then, I guess, either. <laughs> well, I guess it just never came up. And, you did know, you spin the finger like Jake Roberts before you dropped the DDT? Oh, no. I, I actually, that, was a, that was pretty bad. I beamed this kid. One time, uh, there's a kid from Havelock, too. Havelock's a school down North Carolina, obviously. But his coach ran out on the mat on me and is yelling, you can't drop a mat on his head. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, we're, it's combat. <laughs> I, I, I just did I it. just did it. Yeah. And I feel like I won. Yeah, I should. Well, I, I still won, So, but I did get yelled at for that one. But, I mean, I loved amateur wrestling and stuff like that, but pro wrestling was in my blood from, mm-hmm. from the giddy-up. And I only did the amateur stuff because of pro wrestling, uh, my love for that. So. so you just figured that you had to do that in order to get into pro wrestling? I, I don't know. I mean, I still love the whole wrestling thing, and because I happen to be good at it, I right. stuck with it. You know, I mean, it'd be interesting and I to you, see what if I wasn't good at it, if I would have still had the same you know timeline of, of what my career was. Yeah, and it's also one of those things, too. I think when you're younger, sometimes like middle school, high school wrestling is as tangible as wrestling gets. Like You're like, I want to be a wrestler, but the only wrestling you know is like, well, there's a club for it. It's not like it is on TV, but it's something. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I definitely wasn't the only one that thought that. There were other kids in wrestling that were big pro wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my coach was too, which helped. One of my coaches, my senior year coach, you know, my coaches had changed and he hated pro wrestling. Right. As a lot of amateur uh, coaches at that time did. And there may be some that still do. You know, they hated the attention that pro wrestling gets as opposed to what the Olympic style wrestling got. Right. Before MMA, uh, there was no really advancement after the amateur career. You know, if you didn't make the Olympics, your ass just went and sold cars or something, or you found something else to do. Totally. You had to find a weird Steve Carell type person to go live with for a while. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that, that, what a strange a, damn movie that was, by the way. catcher. But, um, yeah, but that's a good thing about MMA now, because it's something that, uh, you know, the younger amateur-style wrestlers can, can build toward. Do you feel like if MMA was around when you were a kid, you would have veered more in that direction? I don't know. I, I love the performance art of, right. of pro wrestling. I, I love that aspect, but I probably would have gave it a shot, you know. I mean, I went and took, like, boxing and stuff like that, too, just because to, I kind of like the combat scenario anyway. And, and, you know, I mean, like I said, I was good at it, and mm-hmm. that's why I kept doing it. But if I you know, if I wasn't good at it, I might not have. So. <laughs> you just stop. Uh, so when did you realize that—so at what point—see, WCW was where people first kind of— Got a glimpse of you, but how long? If you started wrestling at sixteen, you were how old when you got to WCW? Uh, well, I was sixteen, and that was in nineteen ninety one, and I didn't get to WCW till nineteen ninety nine. Wow! So you already had eight years under your belt. Yeah, yeah, and that was at the time when the indie scene was was brutally rough. Mm-hmm. Like indie guys today have no idea how easy they have it compared. To, yeah. to, to the road I had to travel. The, the mid-90s? Like, I can't even imagine what the indie scene must have been like. And they hated little guys. Right. Well, WWF wasn't even... It, that's before WWF was even making money. You know what I mean? Like, in that in that period... Oh, it was before the boom, yeah. Right. Yeah. It was before the boom. It was the new generation era when mm-hmm. they couldn't even fill 
half right. the arenas. So I can't imagine how bad indie business must have been. Oh, it was it was the shit. <laughs> it was in every in every, especially because there was no cruiserweight division at the time. So right, none of the big guys thought there was any money to be made with little guys. And the what would consider the light heavyweights at that time, they were still like two twenty. They were mm-hmm. still big dudes because it was all a big man's business back then. You know, and I'm fresh out of high school. I was 140 pounds. You know, so and I'm getting into to this and I'm you know I've been studying like you know the Japanese style and lucha libre and European just through VHS. But you're aware that there is some kind of market for smaller wrestlers. There is in other areas of the world. Right. Not yet in America. But right. I was especially hoping, not North Carolina. Definitely not North Carolina. Right. I think like Flying Brian had kind of popped a little bit. But still he was he was a big dude compared to to what I was. At sure. The time. He was jacked like crazy. And I would just have to get in fights like all the time cuz some big guy would like just try to beat my ass. But a lot of big guys back then, they were those weekend warriors that are in pro wrestling because they're not really tough. Mm-hmm. But just pro wrestling gives them the avenue to be tough. Uh-huh. And then we would get in there and I would just, you know, they would try to like rough me up. But I was that little guy that would punch you in the face. <laughs> right. And if, if you're going to beat me up, then fine. You're not going to be the only one that's ever done that. But you're going to have to because I'm going to fight to the end of this. Right. And uh, But, you know, I mean, that gained me some respect. And it gave me a little bad reputation for a moment. It did. Of course, because, you know, it's like, oh, this guy's got a bad attitude. That's what the big guys say once you punch him in the face. Right, when when you're defending yourself. Yeah, yeah, when you're bullying, when when they're bullying you and shit, it's cool. But when you fight back, you're the one with a bad attitude. (laughs) So uh, I had it for a little bit. But then once the guy saw that when I'm selling for him, I'm making them look like monsters. Right, because you're the guy, you're one of those first guys that's, like, just going flying across the ring. Yeah, so I was making a lot of guys look good. And then they would like me, and that would start to build up you know and then my payoff would go from 10 bucks to 20 right you know, that, that sort of scenario it was big money back in them days <laughs> did you uh, were there any of the guys that you came up with did you cross their paths again once you were successful oh yeah now they're like all my friends and they kind of forget some of that shit you right know? uh right and, you know and like was, who'd you come up with like who was in that that era like who who did you interact with on the indie scene oh nobody that you would know at that time no no absolutely nobody no. so you um, were like the only guy that came out of that yeah yeah that. The, the big myth is that me and the hardys were all like we're you know right. we, we grew up together and we all trained together now i was in the business a couple of years before them and I never did like the backyard or the trampoline or anything like that. You know, mm-hmm. when I when I went into it, I was right into the hard ring, right into the mix of it. Right. And there were some big shows that I was on, you know, uh, especially on the indie. What would you consider a big show on the indie? But it was definitely shows that would be like 15 people in the crowd. And the promoter's like, yeah, we got a hot crowd here out here tonight. <laughs> I'm like, this ain't what I see on TV, you right. know, which is every indie goes, every indie wrestler goes through that. Yeah. Because you think what you see on TV is what you're going to see at every show. And that is... Not the case at all. Yeah. Did you, in the nine years, did you end up in Mexico or Japan? Uh, the only, I did. I went to a Europe once, and that was it, you know, as far as uh, doing international stuff. Um, and keep in mind, too, this is, I'm still having to send out VHS tapes to get noticed. Right. This is pre-internet, pre-any of that shit. So You can't, like, follow somebody on Twitter and send them a direct message and say, no. hey, I like your stuff. Oh, no, I like your stuff. It was brutal. You know, and you send these tapes out, and you would sometimes, most of the time you wouldn't hear anything back. So you don't know what the hell people are doing with these tapes. They're just throwing them away or whatever. Right. I know I got a call back or you know, a package back from Japan. There's a company called UWF. UWFI, and it would kind of do like a, a shoot type thing. Wrestling it was real, like stiff competition. 
and they sent me a videotape and it just looked like something where they just would beat the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, well, I got no interest in going to that. They like my right. uh, amateur credentials. Like I sent them all, you know, you kind of send a resume type thing and yeah. they like that. But then he sent me a tape of the guys I'd be matched up with and I was like, all right, I think I'll just stay in America. Well, yeah, I mean, they probably were like, we got this little American kid yeah. who's got amateur credentials that we could kick the shit out of for a yeah. while. We could fly him up here, yeah. kick his ass and send him back. There was one guy in particular named Gary Albright and you could look him up at any point and yeah. I was like, I don't want to fucking be in there with Gary, <laughs> Gary Where's the, uh, I want to be in there with Jushin Liger, you know, that, right. that type of shit. That's what right. I was wanting to do. And, um, but, uh, you know, I mean, you still then, uh, Around, I guess, 90, when the wrestling boom happened, of course, sure. that, you know, trickled down uh, to the Indies and things started to pick up. And you started to see a lot of uh, lightweight wrestlers, other ones come around and things c- kind of got a lot easier. So, so I mean, I, I guess it's lucky that you started when you were young, because when you're young, it doesn't matter if you're successful or not. You got all these years in front of you. It's it's you know, yeah. you, you think you're on top of the world anyway. Yeah. At any point, though, I mean, that's a long time before you end up in WCW. Did mm-hmm. you think what well, this this is just what I do. I'm going to end up just a North Carolina indie guy. I'm not. I'm not going to make it at all. Well, you know, I, I don't know. I never really thought about it too much because I always saw the end result. I always saw where I could be, and it was just a matter of one day I'm going to figure out how these other guys are doing it. Right. Because I was in that mindset, which is dangerous for people to get in, mm-hmm. and that's why I know it's dangerous because I was in there at one point. Because mm-hmm. you look at people on TV and you're like, I'm better than that. So in one way, that's encouraging, but that's a dangerous mindset to have because then you start comparing yourself to other people. Right. When really your own worst enemy is always yourself. As right. As you keep getting better, things should you know, progress. And uh, that could give you that really bad attitude. You watch any, I mean, obviously I'm better than a great colleague, but he was a WWE <laughs> world champion. So, you know, you got to, that's a pill you got to swallow sometimes. You, know? you can't go around, I don't know why I'm not the world champion. Yeah. I'm better than Kali. I mean, I'm pretty sure any wrestler hearing this is better than the great Kali, but yeah. he still was a world champion. Right. Because so. guess what? You're not seven foot six and you don't have genie pants. Like, whatever it is, it's whatever what it is. it is. It is what it is. Like, you know what? There are probably people that thought they were better than you. Of course. When sure. you were fucking getting victories over, like, legends. Right. You know what I mean? And they're yeah. like, well, I could put on a green costume and, mm-hmm. and get a victory over the rock or whatever. Yeah, exactly. You know? So I, you're right about it all kind of coming full circle eventually. Well, especially if you with do my it long character, because as you well know, everybody thinks comedy is easy until they try to do it. Right. And it's the most difficult shit to do. Right, especially when, especially in terms of being a wrestler. Yeah. Because you also then, like, you have to be able to figure out how to do comedy, but convince an audience that you're capable of beating this person up. Yeah. You know? So that was a tough, I mean, that's the part that people that don't do our business and don't, don't understand how tough comedy is will never underst- understand some of the shit I went through. Just like as you just said, because yeah. I got to be funny. But now, if I'm in a situation where I'm with The Rock or Ric Flair or something like yeah. that, now I got to go from being the co- the uh, comic relief to being a serious threat to these guys, and that's tough. Yeah, and not only that, but you you went from being a boy band member to a comic book character. So it's like they were just throwing everything at you possibly that one yeah. would have that to not succeed. Because none of the, this shit that I ever envisioned I would be doing. Right, the two least intimidating things I could think of. Right, comic book nerd, boy band member. Yeah. And that's like that's what we want for you. That's you. Yeah. We're gonna exactly. we, and we'll put you up with three other boy band members. One of them's gonna have braids in his hair and everything. Yeah. And you're like, well, we got to figure out how to make this work somehow. Yeah, is, yeah. And and is that so? Is that the mindset when you end up? I'm the hurricane or I'm Sugar Shane from Three Count. Are you going? I got to sit back and figure out how to make this work. Yeah, you know, it, luckily, uh, I think the effort I put into it and the commitment I put to those gimmicks is what made me. Uh, 
you know, successful at it and what made me stand out. I didn't realize that that's what was going to happen. I just knew that's what I had to do. Right. You know, when I had this opportunity with Three Count, which is why WCW was going to put put us on TV, mm-hmm. it's like, all right, well, we got to do this as best we can. Yeah. And whether it succeeds or fail, if they see I'm good. And I always felt if they saw me in the ring, then they would think I was good and, and you know, good things will happen. And, and look at it, that kind of was the case. Mm-hmm. As I slowly, you know, kind of... Um, you know, left Shannon and Evan and started to, you know, kind of outgrow that pack a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, and toward the end of uh, WCW, I mean, I was I was the best light heavyweight in the world at that time, you know, and I don't have a problem saying that I was. Yeah. You know, and I, everybody was still in my shit back then, you know. And, really? And there's a lot of stuff that's still going. Yeah. I mean, I was the little guy in the trunks and kick pads. I was the first guy to do that shit. Uh-huh. You know, and I mean, it's kind of commonplace now. But when I brought my little skinny legs out on that stage on Nitro for the first time, you know, <laughs> it was definitely like, what the hell is this shit? Yeah. You know? How does that make you? So when you start seeing people stealing your stuff, how does that make you? How do you stay out of the mindset of, like you just said, in your mind, you're the greatest light heavyweight wrestler in the world, but you're not getting recognized as that necessarily. So how do you stay out of that sort of mindset of, no, I'm better than that guy. I should be getting uh, credited as being the best. Uh, it, just, it just depends on whether you take it home or not. It's one thing, you know, uh, like I, I would say stuff like that on interviews and stuff like that. Yeah. It's not no, nothing I take home because, like you said, it, it doesn't really matter when you're at home. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Uh, there were a lot of guys at that time that were giving me credit, you know, especially in, in you know, like I say, the dying days of WCW. Almost every match of the night, Sugar Shane Helms was in there somehow. Right. And they might be giving the other guy credit. And they did that for a while because I sent one, somebody, one of those news sites a, a message one time on a message board. You it, did? Yeah, because it was like Sugar Shane, I mean, your match of the night was uh, Shane Helms and this guy. But it would always give the other guy credit. And I'm like, there's a common denominator right. there. <laughs> right. Like maybe you guys can just give me a pat on ass here and there you know i don't know yeah but um we could tell like that what the style that i was doing uh you know combining the the american style with lucha libre and the european style and the japanese style and just implementing little things from those different styles which is kind of where wrestling is at right now with with ring of honor and that thing we were doing that um, that stuff in omega for years even before we went to you know i went to wcw man jeff went to uh wwf at the time we were all doing that really hybrid style back then yeah, that's what I was. I mean, I was gonna ask. Looking at wrestling now, like we're talking about you as as this tiny guy that couldn't make it, but like you're bigger than half the heavyweights are right now. Yeah, you know yes. what I mean. Like, like what do you think of of, of what a huge change that's been? Just it's, the size of the guys. It's been a, it's been a good change. I mean, the athleticism is is a part of that. How you know high high level the athleticism is now. I mean, every now and then you might have a big guy that's going to be. Like that, that has that kind of athleticism. I think this Brian Cage is is a good example for California. The Uha Nation kid, he's Apollo Cruz yeah. down in, in yeah. I don't know if you've seen him. It's amazing. But, but that kind of athleticism, you're not generally going to see on somebody that big. Right. You know, and uh, there's a lot of times with big guys, I don't want to see it. You know, when I, I don't want to see Brock Lesnar do a shooting star. I mean, he almost killed himself when he did it. Right, don't try it again. And even if you did it, I'd have been like, okay, I'd rather see you just beat the shit out of people. That's <laughs> right. what I want from Mike Tyson. I don't want Mike Tyson to do a moonsault, but I want Rey Mysterio to do like 50 of them, you know? Right, right, um, right. So we're kind of losing that a little bit because of how small some of the heavyweights are. Yeah. But the athleticism still is at such a high level right now. It's kind of hard to complain about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when WCW closes, and like you said, you're having these match of the nights. But again, who knows how much credit you're actually getting? And it was still that sort of cruiserweights or cruiserweights or cruiserweights. Yes. Not like you know our heavyweights are the guys that make us the money, and, and cruiserweights are here to work good matches. Did you? 
know that WWE was going to pick up your contract? Were you worried about it? I don't think anybody knew. And I think I've heard guys say that they knew. I don't think anybody knew shit. Yeah. We would hear in the dying days of WCW, we would hear a different story every week about who was buying a company. How long was that? How long did that last for? A couple months. Really? Yeah, you know, it was different people were buying it. And, like, I just couldn't. I got to a point where I was like, I'm not even going to worry about this shit. There's nothing I can do anyway. Right. You know, I'm not in any business meetings or any of that thing, any of that type of stuff. So I was like, it's not going to do me any good to worry about it. I just got to go out there and do what I do in the ring. And, so you're just like, okay, whatever whatever time I have yeah. left on national yeah. television, I'm going to make sure I do the best matches I can do. And yeah, that's that, it. That, that was my mindset. Yeah. And so that's really all I worried about. But, um. But, yeah, we would hear such a different crazy-ass story. You know, it was an energy company one time. Then Eric Bischoff was going to buy it back. And then somebody else was going to buy it back. And, like, finally I just stopped, you know. Not that I didn't care because it's my job, but it was nothing I could do if I worried about it. And so even on that last Nitro, when we walked in and there was a sign on the door, and it may have said WWF, it may have said McMahon's, I can't remember what it said. Even then we weren't sure. Like, this is some bullshit. Because the company <laughs> would try to, you know what I mean? The company would try to work us a little bit. And I don't they know would. if that was trying to keep the positivity up. How would that keep the positivity? I, I mean, mean, if you realize the company's like working you, wouldn't that make you, wouldn't that decrease morale? Well, we weren't, weren't sure they were working us at right. the time, you know. I mean, just like, uh, you know, it's like everything's going great. We got this big company going on. Oh, I see. Us. So they're, they're working you, hoping that you don't realize you're being worked. Yeah, hoping, gotcha. that, hoping that the, uh, you know, everybody don't just jump ship. Because right. we need all hands on deck, you know, especially at that point. They didn't, the last thing they needed was other guys leaving the company. Right. So, you know, I mean, they would try to, you know, do some spin doctoring, which I totally understand from a business standpoint of view. You know, if you're a company, you always want your employees to feel safe and secure, and you don't know what the hell's going on, you know. And so, like I said, we heard different stories. And even at the, that last night when I saw that sign, and I, I think it said McMahon's, but it might have said both w, WWF McMahon's or whatever. I was like, eh, that's probably some, you know, they're going to bring in Lance McMahon or whatever <laughs> the shit they would do. Yeah. And some it's weird long-lost cousin. Yeah, it's going to be some gimmick like that. And we ended up, we had this big talent meeting, and uh, Shane McMahon walked in, and that was the moment right there. And you could feel it in that room when everybody was like, holy fuck. Like, it's, it's actually happening. This yeah, is yeah. the night. Yeah, it's on now. Like, some major shit just went down. Wow. And it was just in that moment. And then you're like... So even when you read, because I remember, you know, being a wrestling fan back then, like, the New York Times or something started reporting a couple days out. It was less than a week. It was, it was you know, the end of the week prior or whatever, saying... Vince McMahon's going to buy WCW. Mm-hmm. And even fans were going, like, is this really going to happen? Is that true? So when mainstream outlets start reporting that Vince mm-hmm. is buying WCW, you guys are still going, like, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, because we'd heard that a couple times. Right. That wasn't the first time we heard it. We heard see. that before. So it's like, eh, no, whatever. Right. But like I said, when Shane walked in, like, we knew the, the shit was legit then. And then he came in, and it was some kind of little snarky comment to, like, Luger and Bagwell. They're over in a corner. In a corner and he's like, hey, Lex, you know, buff. It was something was there. We're not sure exactly what it was because uh-huh. I didn't know the history uh, with Lex and all that, you know. And um, I was like, and I remember we were all going, "What was that about?" You know. And I was beside like Chris Canyon and you know DDP. That was my little clique, uh-huh. and so many other cruiserweights, you know. And um, what was that about? You know. And then they had the meeting, and you know everything's going forward. WCW will exist, so there's a bit of comfort. But I mean, I think. You know, you had to know. They're not going to just hire everybody. Right. You know, you had to know that. Even if they said that, you had to know they ain't going to just bring everybody up here. There's a lot of guys in WCW that fucking didn't belong in WCW, much less <laughs> at the level what WWF was doing at that time. Right. And did you know that you guys were losing your TV? Yeah. Uh, well, they said we would be on, you know, they were going to do something and WCW would have his TV program. Okay, so they was, were, you were thinking they'd take the WCW brand and put it in the SmackDown slot or something. Yeah, they were going to do some, some, some shit like that was right. what, what we were kind of 
you know, what was being hinted at. Um, and so I, you know, like I was wrestling Chavo that night and, uh, and I just had this idea, like if I if I get out of here with this cruiserweight title, they got to bring me in. If I'm one of the champions, they got to bring me in. So I was prepared to you know, pin his ass no matter what. We would have had to. We were going to shoot on each other if we had to. But uh, yeah, you were hoping. Hopefully, Chavo won't get the same idea. But if he does, there's going to be a fight. So, but we went out there. Me and Chavo, you know, we're great friends. So we went out there and uh, we did our deal. And I did lose uh, leave with the uh, title. So you, you put know, it in your bag and went home. No, I, I still I won the match. You know, and uh. And I remember Jerry Briscoe made like a really, you know, a compliment about uh, toward me and stuff like that. And uh, but that is that is such a funny way of thinking, though. That like, well, I mean, if they're going to keep WCW around, they're going to need the cruiserweight champion. They're going to need me. I got to win this match, you know. (laughs) And uh, I mean, I you know, if if the uh, the decision would have made to put Java up, I totally would have would have done that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as it so happens, it was me. And uh, I mean, I got the call, you know, a couple days later, and I was actually the first guy that Johnny Ace called because he was in charge of. You know, uh, handling. He was going to be the negotiator between the WCW guys and WWE because they're bringing him in as a talent relations to help Jim Ross, who was the head of WWE right. talent relations at the time. And for whatever reason, I was just the first guy he called. You know, I don't know if that was for what you know, luck of the draw or whatever. But I remember Johnny, Johnny telling me, "Yeah, you're the first guy I called, so uh, <laughs> just want you to know you're picking up your contract, so you're good. Everything's cool, and uh, see you in a couple weeks." <laughs> And that was it. And I was like, okay, cool. Bye. And is that a load off? Do you believe oh, it? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He yeah. wouldn't have called me with it. You know, Johnny was a pretty straightforward guy with me. Yeah. You know, anytime I had to deal with him, so. And, I mean, you were actually in a good position because even though, you know, even though you'd gotten as much TV time as you had gotten and three count was, was a big thing, it was still always below, way below <laughs> the top of the card. Right. So I'm sure WWE looked at you as somebody that they could now mold into their own superstar, which is what they ended up doing. Yeah, probably. But I, but I was a couple months out of three count at this point. Right. I was just by myself and I had the girls and we were, they were coming out with me. And it was a very New York, well, New York was what everybody called WWF at the time. <laughs> it was a very WWF style gimmick with the girls dancing on the stage. And then right, I would go right. to Sugar Shane and do my match. And I kind of, we had got word at one time that, uh, and you never know, it could have been horseshit or whatever that, you know, that that Sugar Shane interest was something that WWF liked anyway. Oh, so maybe they wanted to just bring the character as it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We heard they liked the Demon too, the Kiss character. Yeah. There's a couple other ones that we heard. And, you know, there's no way to follow up on that shit, you know, just. But since I got hired pretty right away, I guess. I would somebody, imagine. Somebody liked something, you know. Yeah, because you can't go up to him and be like, hey, did you guys like me when I was in WCW? <laughs> yeah, never bought that shit up at all. So. No, no, it's probably best that you don't. No. Yeah, we did. We don't anymore. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Didn't mention it. Uh, so then. How quick, refresh my memory, how quick were you in WWE before you became the Hurricane? Uh, I came in, we did a couple house shows, and I was the Cruiserweight Champion. I was Sugar Shane. And the idea initially was that I was going to be introduced on TV as the Cruiserweight Champion, have a little, you know, short little angle with Chavo. And then I was going to eventually drop the Cruiserweight title to Billy Kidman because he was the bigger star at the time. Right. Uh, coming from WCW, which that would have been a totally the right call, and I don't have no problem with that. And I guess I didn't even think about this, but at the time... The cruiserweights was the one area that WWE had never been able to take advantage of. They tried right. and it didn't work. They had, you know, they had Taka and they had a couple guys, but they never were yeah. able to establish a good light heavyweight division. Historically, that's one of their weaker areas. They've right. never been able to really capitalize on, on that division and the separation of the cruiserweight and heavyweight division. And so in hindsight, you must have thought that the acquisition of WCW, a big part of that would be, let's bring in that cruiserweight division. Yeah. And they, I mean, they hired a lot of the guys. Yeah. But they only brought a couple of us to TV. Most of them got sent 
agent to uh, the developmental company in Cincinnati mm-hmm. called Heartland Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And it was run by Les Thatcher. That's where, like, Shannon and Evan and Jimmy Yang and most of the other cruiserweights end up getting shipped down there. And they had to, like, fucking move down there, too. Oh. And if I'd have had to do that, I'm not certain I would have ever made it. You know, really? I, don't, if I, I wouldn't. I mean, I got, you know, I mean, I had a house and stuff. You know, I, you know, I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't built for that shit. You know, yeah. To go, to go share a, an apartment with four other guys and go get beat up all day long for it. Like, you know. 15 years into wrestling at this point. It's <laughs> like we've. we've, we've. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, this is 2001. Like I said, so this is my 10th year. Into, yeah. Because I'm not going to go move in an apartment with Shannon Moore. I, I like him. One of my buddies, but I don't want to live with him. Right. Right. But uh, anyway, um, and then what happened? Uh, so that was what was supposed to happen. You know, I was going to eventually drop the title to Billy Kidman in Atlanta, which is where Billy's from, and that mm-hmm. would have been a, you know, it was kind of the WCW home base was Atlanta anyway. And then Billy was going to go on, and they were going to unify the titles with X Pac, which is what they ended up doing. But that angle got hot shotted because uh, Booker T. Bagwell had such a bad match. Right when they first said, "Okay, let's try it. Let's yeah. put WCW ring skirts on. Yeah. Let's put you know the yeah. WCW commentators out there. Let's this is WCW." Yeah, and it just was terrible. Yeah, well, it wasn't good at all. You know, <laughs> no. and, uh, uh, Booker's the last guy to take the blame for that. It wasn't nothing to do with Booker T. It had well, nothing to do I, with him. I think, and and everybody knows what what happened pretty much. So. Um, Especially since Booker T has since become yeah, a T, WWE legend. Booker T did everything he could do, but, you know, you can't get blood from a turnip. <laughs> um, c- country talk there, people. <laughs> and so the, uh, they looked at the rest of the roster, and they figured me and Billy could have the, the best match out of everybody there, which is a compliment, of course. Sure. And, but then they also decided to go ahead and hot shot the angle, and let's just do a title change. So my first actual night on WWE TV, and this is where it gets interesting. Because I'd already had a backstage altercation with Bagwell where I cracked his fucking head open for him because he was an asshole. And when was that? That was at the—they brought us up to get used to the WWE ring in this little training center in Stanford. WWE ring's a little bit bigger, and the ropes are different. The ropes—WCW ropes are still cable. WWE ropes are ropes. Right. And it's—I it, mean, it wasn't a big adjustment for me. I mean, I got used to it in, like, fucking 10 minutes. Right. But we had to go up there for, like, a week. To <laughs> fucking, you know, I, I guess do whatever. Anyway, Bagwell was a dick, and we got into it, and uh, he hit me from behind, and I cracked him over the head with a bottle. You did? Yeah, I don't play, man. Did you didn't I think to no, yourself, like, I just guy. got picked up? Nope. Like, not, I, not when I get hit. When I get hit, it's on. We'll figure this shit out later. Did he, so he just he just he punched was, you in the back of the head? No, he slapped me in the ear. He was standing on the floor. I was sitting in the ring uh, with my back to the uh, ropes, uh-huh. and we were taking a break or something, and this, everybody's in there. There's like 20 guys. And Bagwell's version of this story is a little bit different than mine, but everybody else in there will tell you exactly what the fuck happened. Okay. That's my story. And I had this little thing that's exactly like this. It's like, like a little plastic bottle of water is what yeah, you're holding. like 10 ounces whatever. But the story out there, or however it came out, was that it's a big frozen glass water bottle. It was this <laughs> fucking thing right here. <laughs> yeah. This tiny little. And I, was, and I landed on my shoulder earlier, and I was sitting there all worried because I was like, did I just hurt my fucking shoulder? Uh-huh. And so I got this little water bottle, and I'm rubbing it on my shoulder. As, a, as Nobody that's listening to this can see, but maybe they can there. And uh, anyway, everybody's talking shit like wrestlers do. Everybody's, you know, we all just fuck with each other constantly. Sure. And he said something, and, and you know, I just you know, burned him really, really bad. And he got like all offended by it. He was one of those guys. And he was in a bad place at the time. I don't, you know, we were kind of buddies. Was this before or after his Booker T match? This was before. Okay. And he came and hit me in the damn ear. And like he's standing on the floor. And, I mean, he outweighs me by 50 pounds anyway. Right. Everybody in there knows I banged my shoulder. Uh, so and then he comes and hits me from behind. So I kind of just threw it at him like this, and then I jumped out of the ring. And this was just to kind of distract him because now I'm gonna go punch him in the face. Right. But it fucking cracked his head open and it's bleeding all over the place. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. Like I know, I mean, I really didn't intend for it to do that. I didn't think it would. I just, 
I don't know. I guess this water in it made it harder than. Yeah. It doesn't feel that fucking hard, right? It, not, no. But Never you, in a million years thought it would do that, but I did sling the shit out of it, I guess. Right. Well, that was one of those angry moments, though, where yeah. you just, like, it's just pure rage and you just snap it back and you're like, oh, shit, well, I, mean, I just broke his skull. Yeah, I mean, I come from an area, you know, you, you hit somebody and, and we're going to fight. Right. You know? Yeah, I'm not, you know, I mean, being that little guy in this business and how I came up, if you didn't stand up for yourself, you would get walked over. Mm-hmm. You know, it, like the, like being in prison, you know, you got to stand up or everybody else is going to make you the bitch, too. You know, right. I'll never be the bitch guy. You know, if you're going to like I say, if we're going to fight, we're going to fight. But, you know, I'm going to swing until yeah. I, until you take me down. Right. And um, so anyway, I was worried about that, you know, but nobody really gave a fuck. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> when I got to WTV the next week, uh, the acolytes, uh, Ron and uh, Bradshaw yeah. came and took my bags and put them on the WWF side. And the locker room was really segregated at that really? time. Really? Yeah, it was WCW on one side and WWF on the other. You know, I mean, a lot of some guys, are, most of the guys are pretty cool, but there was still that tension in the air. You yeah. Know? Because they had this big Monday Night War. The WWF guys won, but here's the losers coming in to take their TV time. Right, because now, now. Before, you guys were all trying to take our TV ratings. Now yeah. you're coming in. You're literally coming on our show to yeah. take our spots. Without a d- And so without a doubt, these guys have a right to be, you know, this is bullshit type yeah. thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I saw what meant with the invasion angle. If we had a brought over our, you know, uh, top stars, that could have been a really good fucking angle. Sure, if you had Sting and Goldberg and all those yeah. guys back then. Yeah, but we just left all our, you know, we left our varsity at home. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, so but so, guess, so Faruga Bradshaw bring your bags over to the WWE side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because you know, I forget, you know, some shit like, yeah, man, you one of them good kids. <laughs> and uh, so, and uh, Steve Austin, I remember him pat me on the back and was like, because everybody had heard about the yeah, the yeah, thing. yeah. So um, and so keep that in mind too, you know. Uh, <laughs> and so my first night of TV, I already had that in the back of my head, and they come to me, and they tell me uh, I can't be uh, Shane Helms because of Shane McMahon. And I had kind of suspected that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I was worried about Helms because uh, Triple H. Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Yeah, but I was kind of hoping that's not his real name. So maybe they won't give a fuck. And right. I kind of call him Triple H all the time now. Yeah. So they told me I could use Helms. And they wanted to call me Hollywood Helms. Because I sound so fucking Hollywood. I, guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm, my only thought is that it maybe you because not of the like, girls. With do you the, know where I just came from there was yeah. another uh, yeah, kind of top guy whose name was hollywood that was another thing like yeah hogan had just been hollywood i'm like that's a pretty big damn shoes to fill <laughs> yeah. for some guy that half these people don't fucking know right you know because uh i mean that was a big thing a lot of the wwf audience didn't watch wcw you know fans could especially be, towards the end there especially like when you started getting hot is when people were going away from WCW. yeah wcw fans will stop watching <laughs> yeah. wcw at that point so uh but you know fans get where get really uh team oriented in those situations you know it, I'm a guy I can watch. I don't give a damn what initials are in front of the wrestling. If it's good, I'll watch it. But right. there are some fans like, are you WWE or WCW? I'm like, I, don't, I don't fucking care. Whatever's good, I'm good. And they do it now with TNA and WWE, too. And right. Whatever. But So um, anyway, so I was kind of worried they weren't going to let me keep Helms, but they did. But they wanted me to be Hollywood Helms. I was like, what the fuck? That is terrible. <laughs> and it might I think it's actually playing on the Titan Tron that night. But the, I was like, can we just... Uh, they said, what about Gregory? Because Gregory is my shoot first name, but I don't go by it. I go by Shane, which is my, my middle name. So they call me Gregory Helms at night, but they tell me I can't be Shane. So now I'm not going to be Sugar Shane. Right. Because that was the you know the play on Sugar Shane Mosley. Um, I'm not going to have the girls. No. I can't do the vertebraker. 
You can't. No, because Vince is uh, afraid of. Now you're not afraid of it, but he they did. they had a couple neck surgeries uh, back to back, you know, uh-huh. in a year or two before I got there. So they're afraid of anything pile driver esque, and of course the vertebraker looks terrifying as shit. Right. And um, so called the vertebraker too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I called it there for a reason. Yeah. And uh, and my song is the vertebraker, so I'm not going to have my interest music anymore. Oh. And I'm going to lose the title. So they just drop all that shit on me like in 30 minutes. Do you at least have some boots you can wear? I was like, like oh, so I just knew I'm going to get fucking fired. <laughs> yeah. I figured it was because of that, you know, the bad wins. And I'm like, oh, okay, they're just going to take the belt off me and get me the fuck out of so here. You're sitting there like, my whole plan was to keep that title. Yeah. And now they've taken no, my shot. identity. And so I come out as Gregory Helms, you know, and uh, looking back on it, the match isn't terrible, but I don't have anywhere the confidence I, I need to have to be in that situation. Uh-huh. But mainly because of everything that I was just told that fucking day about that whole. Name, gimmick, identity, everything being what you know. I was in witness protection, basically going to this fucking match. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the match itself is okay, you know, but uh, but anyway, I drop it to Billy, and um, they assure me everything's fine, you know, because uh, Stephanie was talking to me. She goes, "Everything's fine." I, I, you know, trust me. I know this is a lot because they knew. Yeah, giving me this, especially saying it out loud, like, "Wow, we really kind of fucking this kid a little bit." Yeah. But they assured me everything was fine. So I'm on a flight home. We had a red eye out that night. That was in Washington State where we were at. And I'm just thinking of, I got a book of names. Anything I'm going to get, because Gregory Helms I know ain't going to work. Right. Coming in, you know, I didn't know I was going to be a babyface heel, what was going to happen, you know. But that just, you need need a hook. Mm -hmm. You need a hook in pro wrestling. And Gregory Helms wasn't it. And I was the Hurricane Kid for like in 92 for a hiccup, you know, whatever. And, uh. When I started using Shane Helms and maybe because I was Kid Vicious, too, for the first like six, seven years of my career. Uh-huh. Once I started using my real name, Shane Helms, I was, Shane Hurricane Helms was what I wanted to go by, but only because it rhymed. And people ask me why Hurricane all the time. Just it rhymed with Shane. Yeah. I, I don't have a good story. <laughs> Just it is what it is. And I ended up being the show Shane Helms on the Indies uh-huh. for, until I went to WCW. So anyway, I was like, I came back the next week and I get there early, too. You know, I'm going to be there for like 10 a.m. <laughs> and I catch, I see Stephanie. And uh, so there's a hint, young guys. I didn't just accept Gregory Helms. Right. You know, I knew I didn't like that shit. So I went to him with another idea. And because you can't go to creative and just say, I don't like your shit. Right. You know, you need to go to him and say, with suggestions. Yeah. You know. I like what you're doing, but what if we tried? Yeah. 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 And so I said, what do you guys, what do you think about Hurricane Helms? And she's like, you really don't want to be Gregory, do you? I mean, her voice, voice is not that deep. That was a terrible <laughs> Stephanie McMahon impersonation. But I was like, I was like, I just don't think it has a hook. And uh, and she goes, okay. She goes, well, we'll talk to legal about it. And anyway, they go to have their meetings, and I'm um, like, you know, like say, I'm I'm still in kind of a purgatory because after last week and everything, I don't know where we're going going forward. And Vince walks by later on. And he just goes, Hurricane Helms. I like it. <laughs> and a big fucking thumb up. And I'm like, you. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay. So then, but I still had the sugar shane look, you know, the little trunks, little uh, kick pads and little, you know, shiny little silly ass robes that would come out in. But I was Hurricane Helms for a couple of weeks. And throughout the invasion, I was just Hurricane Helms. And I was, you know, you know like I said, sugar shane, wrestled as sugar shane, but Hurricane Helms. Right. Did a backstage, uh, had a backstage uh, skit, whatever, with Steve Austin. And this is where the whole just hurricane. Good news. Thing, yeah. So they're going to tell me, yeah, we're going to do the same with Steve Austin. You guys go. And it, the promos weren't scripted back then like right. they are now. It was kind of like, yeah, y'all guys going to talk about whatever. And then, uh, you know, maybe he'll mention uh, your tattoo. And it was kind of like just off the wall, you know. And all Vince, and all I remember Vince on this time was there was a tray of fucking vegetables in there. Mm-hmm. And Vince goes, when you go in, maybe you eat a carrot. <laughs> <laughs> you and Steve, you talk back and forth. And 
this and that. And when you leave, maybe you eat a tomato. <laughs> and every time, like, it, it, there's a couple of different times when, like, before we actually did it, when he would come over and he would do the same spiel that maybe I eat a carrot, maybe I eat a tomato. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, they're fucking with me. They stuck, <laughs> stuck these carrots up somebody's ass or something. Like, this is a rib just to get me. Because he seemed to be focused on this carrot and tomato. And then more you don't do God damn it, I actually ate a tomato. I was like, I was so like, what in the fuck is going on? He's such a maniac. And I love him. I always got along with him. But he's a different breed of human being. No right. Doubt. But you bet, you bet your ass I ate a carrot and tomato in that <laughs> fucking promo. But, uh, but I didn't really know what I was going to say, though, because I didn't know what Steve was going to say. Well, you were too busy focusing on the uh, crudite. Yeah, I was worried about that. <laughs> you know, especially the order. Do I, what if I eat the tomato first? Yeah, Would uh, that be bad? I don't he know. He said maybe a carrot. Does that mean I should go for the celery? Yeah, I'm very – you got that in the back of your mind. Right. And like I say, I didn't know what I was going to say because I didn't know what Steve was going to say. And he's Steve Austin. He can say whatever the fuck he wants. Mm -hmm. I'm just hoping I don't fuck this promo. <laughs> you know, I don't know where this is going to go. Are, are there a limit to F-bombs? I know I'm the worst. You're fine. Okay, cool. I know. Yeah. Just checking. So anyway, I'll go in there and we start talking. He asked me about the tattoo and I go, for whatever reason, I start talking about the Green Lantern like <laughs> it was a real person. You know, I was like, yeah. He, and he had a big heel turn in the books at that time. Right. I was like, yeah, he knocked Superman out one punch. Bam. <laughs> and like Deborah McMichael was there. And she just cracks up. And Steve plays off of that. And he's looking at me like I'm some fucking weirdo. And yeah. somebody thought that was funny. You know, I guess they thought that was funny. And then next thing you know, every week for the next couple of weeks, I'm doing these promos where I just go off in this random comic book scenario. And that's all he would say. Like, yeah. And I wasn't sure what, where they were going with this either. I don't think they knew. I don't think so. They just knew that that was entertaining for some reason. Yeah. And uh, Bruce Pritchard actually just told me this story this year at WrestleMania. Uh -huh. That the very next week, he's in the hallway talking to Vince. And they're going over, uh, like, my little promo that i got coming up. And Vince goes, what was the Green Lantern thing? Because he didn't know what the fuck the Green Lantern was. And Steve Austin happened to be walking by, and he goes, it's the goddamn Green Lantern. And then he just keeps walking. And so, like, and Vince was like, okay, just do it. So somehow Steve actually made it happen in some strange esoteric way. It's the goddamn Green Lantern. And it worked. And then uh. I would start out, when I would do my little comic stories, I would take on that weird hurricane speech, yeah. which I don't know where the fuck that came from. I don't talk like that. Just a little quick person. What the fuck that? I don't, I don't. I never planned to do that either. Right. I would just be doing this promo in kind of my serious voice, and then I would go, but that reminds me of the time that the Green Lantern, you know, <laughs> took on Black Adam, and I would just making up shit off the top of my head, and then I'd do, what's up with that? And I have no fucking idea why I did that either. But that's kind of where some of the best stuff comes from, isn't I it? I think it's where most of the best stuff comes yeah. from. You know, it's just organic, and you could hear the camera people laughing and the lights. You know, Once you get are, them, it's like, okay, I'm yeah, on to yeah, something. Something's working here. So, uh. Let me ask you about, you know, you're talking about WCW and the final days and the invasion angle. And you, uh, in the end of WCW, hearing every week somebody else is buying WCW, going out of business for this reason, and you're just like, whatever. The internet hears the same thing happening with TNA, which is who you're doing mm -hmm. business with now. So, is, so, so you're saying it's my fault? Are you basically it's my fault the curse of wrestling? I Are you putting so. companies so. out of business? <laughs> but is 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 your guy who is in both locker rooms? Mm -hmm. Is TNA in the kind of trouble WCW was? I don't think so. The the words are you know the things when I talk to them, there's a confidence coming from somewhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, definitely not like the whole shit we were getting from WCW. You know, there's definitely confidence there. And um, I mean, the deal they gave me was was pretty nice, and they didn't have to because uh, when I first started doing the agent producing thing, yeah, you know, that was a, you know about half a year ago, I guess that was just going to be on a per appearance thing because I wasn't even sure if I would like doing it. Mm -hmm. I thought I could do it, but you know, it's a different deal than actually like doing it, you know. 
And but I really love it. I mean, I love doing that a lot. So then he came to me with an offer, you know, and I mean, and I've been doing pretty well, you know, so uh, I don't know if they were just trying to lock me in or whatever. But I was like, they wouldn't be doing this unless there's something good coming. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't go and spend the money if they yeah. were losing all their money. Right. Like there's got to be money coming from somewhere. Yeah, it's coming from somewhere. And, and I mean, uh, and I'm pretty happy there. But but like you said, because I was in WCW, I, I have mentioned that to a select number of guys. Like, don't worry about that shit. I mean, we're not in none of those meetings. Right. None of that has anything to do. And that's like, I mean, there's a bunch of guys that have done the show. I've done Robbie E., Brodus Clay, uh, uh, Tyrus. You know, all these guys are all kind of saying the same thing, which is, look, I think we're fine. Mm -hmm. You know, people have been saying this for years that we're going out of business. Mm -hmm. We keep going out and doing good matches, and that's all we're concentrating on. And we we keep, you know, and I I read on the Internet that people aren't getting paid, but all the people that I talk to, at least on – on the record and on microphone, have all said that they've gotten paid. So. Yeah, I don't know anybody that hasn't got paid. And I get paid on time ever since I've been there. I ain't had like one problem with them. So, yeah. and I don't think I'm on some pedestal where I'm like the first guy to look after. You know, right? I mean, you know, I'm pretty much the newest guy there. So, <laughs> there's no reason I would be. But I mean, uh, all the shit I hear on the internet, like especially about all the bad morale, it's like completely untrue. Because we went, you know, because I read about that too. It's like, all right, yeah. I'm almost convinced, too, like, one of the reasons I was in WWE so long was I kept the locker room happy. You know I mean? I'm one of those guys. I'll keep the party going. You know? I, don't, <laughs> I don't like a lot of sad shit going on. And you got to have a good time. It's wrestling. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, and, and I'm just like that in life, you know. And, uh, I mean, Batista talked about that in his book with me. When I saw him down, I would go to him and fuck with him and, you know, get his damn spirits back up. You mm-hmm. know? And, uh, and you need guys like that. Yeah. You know, so... But when I heard that there was this bad morale, I was like, okay, then I might have to go. Is that what I'm going to have to work on? Right. <laughs> but I go there and everybody's just having a blast back there. I mean, it's work and you got to work. Right. But man, people are laughing and it's a good, it's a good atmosphere. So I, I don't know where a lot of that shit comes from. I think it's like bandwagon stuff. You know, mm-hmm. one site says it, then everybody starts and nobody's fact checking to see if it's actually true. Right. And um, I, I don't really know what's going on. Some some of the media is very biased, and I'm not sure what the motive is. I don't know why they would be. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they're making money off. Wrestling news, they should want all the companies in the world to be good. Right. But they, uh, if there's any bit of good news from TNA, it gets kind of glossed over. And if there's any bad thing, it gets like magnified and highlighted right. so bad. And I'm starting to really notice that more and more, obviously, since I've been there. Mm-hmm. Probably because I'm paying attention to it a, a bit and more. And you know the real story half the time. Yeah. You're like, well, that's not the way it went down at all. Yeah, at all. Right. And I think because some of the websites, not the bigger ones, the big ones have been pretty cool about this world title series we got going on now. Mm-hmm. But some of the ones, because they can't predict what they're doing, they're getting butthurt about it. Because yeah, they don't I know what TNA that. is doing. Like, I was beyond confused by the world title series. And also confused by Matt Hardy winning the title and then losing it. But at the same time, I'm kind of slow to jump on and say somebody doesn't know what they're doing. Right. Because, let me just wait and find out. Maybe they don't know what they're doing. Right. But let me wait a couple weeks at least before I specifically can say they yeah. don't. I, I don't know for sure yet. Yeah, don't say a book sucks just and you ain't read a fucking word yet. You <laughs> right, know? right, right. I mean, uh, so, I mean, they, they have ideas about where they were going and stuff like that. So that whole, you know, they don't know what they're doing and they're just doing these random matches. Like, no, there, there was a plan mm-hmm. and this is what's supposed to happen. You know? Right. This business is supposed to be unpredictable. Right. I mean, that's been one of my biggest gripes about wrestling for years is that it gets predictable. Yeah. And you know who's going to win every match and you know where they're going. You cannot tell me TNA is predictable right now. There's no <laughs> it's fucking way. Not, it's definitely, definitely. You can say a lot of things about it. It's not predictable. That's not one of them, and that's what makes it exciting. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I'm having a good time there. You know, I know people always want to compare it to WWE, but I'm like, what? Who get? Who cares? Who right. cares about those comparisons? Just watch it. And if you don't watch it, 
then then that's fine. But don't sit there and say it sucks when you're not even watching it. Right. So how would you how would you know? Well, if you watch it and you hate it, then you got an opinion. Shane, you can be Shane now because you're a person. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I appreciate you being here, dude. Oh man, it's always great, man. Uh, I'm gonna say this. This is Columbus Day, and in honor of Columbus Day, uh-huh. this is now my shit. This is yours, even though you were here. You're first, taking it from me. This is my shit now. You're throwing a smallpox blanket and on me. I need you to get the fuck out. <laughs> All right. Well, then, uh, <laughs> welcome to Shane Helms Wrestling Podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's my shit now. <laughs> uh, where can they follow you on Twitter and all that stuff? At Shane Helms Com is everything. You know, everything. I try to keep it simple. Yeah. Um, and that's because my website is ShaneHelms.com. There it is. Well, you can get it so, all there and pay attention to everything he's doing because you always got stuff going on. You're very, very good at keeping active and busy. So uh, keep an eye out for him wherever you go. Uh, and... Yeah, you'll have to come back and do this again because I feel like we barely scratched the surface on half the stories. Yeah, we just got to the beginning of my WWE career, which was in 2001. <laughs> right. We got 14, 15 years to catch up on. All right, so next time you're in town, come back on a podcast. And, and follow uh, Headlock Comic. Headlock Comic. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. The, uh, that's the big thing. That's what I was in town for for Comic-Con. This yeah. last four days of nonstop insanity. Awesome. Uh, Awesome, and, man. and my story in that book, if you haven't read it yet, is now going to be a motion comic. So that's going to be pretty. Really? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, thanks for hanging out, man. Oh, man, my pleasure. Thank you. Here is Sam Roberts. Going long again this week. Do not get spoiled. Great time with the hurricane. I'd love to have him back. There's so much stuff to talk about his entire WWE run. Uh, his, his, what he's been doing with TNA, working in the indies, everything. So much more to talk about with this guy. Um, but we'll have that interview up on YouTube uh, before long. Everything is going up on YouTube. I'm slow to it because I have everything I'm putting up for the radio show, Sam Roberts show, that's on Sirius XM every night. I mean, I'm do, I do all the video editing myself. Uh, so it's a lot. Uh, I try to get stuff up there every, every day or two. Um, and if the DDP and Scott Hall interview is not up yet, it will be, you know, momentarily. So there's always stuff happening over at the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash not Sam. You can, of course, also get there via not Sam dot com, uh, not Sam dot com slash videos. Speaking of uh, uh, everything I'm doing and how you can support it, you can wear a T-shirt, you know, show up to an event with a T-shirt on. You'll look cool. People will be like, oh, I didn't know you was cool. Go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts and take your pick. Get whatever you want. Um, you can get a What's the Hap shirt. You can get a Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirt. They're all there at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. Now, let's talk about everything going on in wrestling from the Royal Rumble to the Hall of Fame to Raw this week to TNA in Bethlehem to NXT. Everything that needs to be talked about. Let's try to get to it. I'll bring Katie Linendahl in, and it's time for the State of Wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Here we are at State of Wrestling time. Ah! Whoa. On Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. You know what that means. Katie Linendahl is back. And I guess that's where we start. Uh, We didn't, well, we'll talk about the Royal Rumble because I didn't really talk about it last week because I got so wrapped up in the New Japan signings. By the way, I still feel exactly as I felt. Uh, a little update on the New Japan stuff. So, um, I don't know for sure if all four guys are going to end up coming to WWE at the same time. Uh, you're talking about Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, uh, Nakamura, and AJ Styles. Maybe they won't all come at the same time. We've already seen AJ Styles get written off on New Japan TV. Uh, Kenny Omega outed him from the Bullet Club. 
this week online they're reporting that New Japan is going to strip Nakamura of their intercontinental title which would lead you to believe he's leaving New Japan because he's going to WWE uh, and then obviously Gallows and Anderson are on their way I still feel like to put I don't think WWE is going to use the name Bullet Club I don't think it makes any sense I don't think it does anybody any good I don't think it's necessary I think that'd be crazy there were rumors going around that WWE had purchased the rights to use the name Bullet Club it would be unprecedented for sure. I just don't think that it would add anything. I think you've got Balor Club. It's going to be Balor Club. And I think the members are going to be Balor, Gallows, and Machine Gun. You mean to tell me that New Japan never even trademarked that? No, they trademarked it. But WWE would be buying the license from New Japan to use it. Oh, that's silly. Right. They, I don't think they would ever do that. I don't think they would do it, and I don't think they would benefit they from it. They already started Balor Club. Right. And Balor Club is, I mean, they, they invented, they own the name Balor. They've got people already wearing the T-shirts. That to me is an ego thing too. You're not going to buy what somebody already created. Exactly. Especially if you're. Yeah. Why no. would you, Why would you buy what somebody already created when you can just rip it off? Right. <laughs> you know. You For can, free. You can exactly. <laughs> you don't get dot com. They, <clears throat> they get dot org. Now, what's our alternative here? <laughs> well, I mean, Vince, we can. We can rip it off for free. No, I like that. Yeah, that sounds great. Just go with that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Whatever's closest. To, uh, the, the Bullets Club. It's Bullet Club. Not anymore. <laughs> Spell yeah. it with one L. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I-T. Bullet. <laughs> Bullfit Club. Bullfit Club. Oh, you beat me to it. Just by an inch. Um, but we'll yeah, there. so I think AJ Styles will probably, and in my opinion, hopefully, come in just as AJ Styles, a guy who's traveled the world wrestling. And I mean, he's in his late 30s, so I don't know that he'll have a hugely long run with WWE. But I think he should just come in as AJ Styles. Nothing to do with Bullet or Balor Club. And Nakamura, I think, should come in the same way uh, Hideo Itami came in. You know what I mean? Just this international star who's made a name for himself, and now he's going to come into NXT and kick a bunch of asses. Uh, so, yeah. So that's how I still feel. But you about still, still feel like there's going to be a, a Balor Club. A Balor Club with Balor, Machine Carl Gun, and uh, Gallows. I think that's, that's your Balor Club, and that's how you turn Finn Balor heel to face Sami Zayn, uh, starting in Dallas and going forward. Uh, but... Let's talk about Dallas and the Hall of Fame. Ah! I was waiting for it, <laughs> Lennon doll. So it means I get to do it so many more times. I know, and ah, uh, if we go to that Hall of Fame ceremony this year, oh, man, it's going dude. to be impossible. Should I bring a sleeping bag? You're going to just sit there cawing all <laughs> night long. Dude, that is the longest the Hall of Fame ceremony. ceremony. There yeah. needs to be, like, a, a Royal Rumble countdown clock on those speeches. <laughs> Who was it last year that just time-burglarized everybody? Yeah. It, it was the living legend, Larry Zbysko. Now, Sam, we were on the same page, and don't act like we weren't. It was a, it was a, it was a very long and poorly planned speech. Very he long. He said at that one point where he's like, I'm just going to wing this. Yeah. We, we've all been there. We're spent, like, I'm going to wing this, and it's never a good idea. He spent a half an hour to tell a story about sneaking through Bruno San Martino's bushes. bushes to watch the guy tan. Like what is going on? You know, here? that's the only thing I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I did feel bad for him though, because he was standing up there and he knew it was not going well. That's not true. He knew it was. No, wasn't that going is well. not true. He was pulling a Kanye West where he was talking himself into how awesome it was. Oh, like he started to get a hint of not going well, and then he started. No, to... there was no point, Sam, that he thought that wasn't going well. Really, you don't think so? Hundred percent. Man, oh man. Well, I think Sting's speech is going to be good. We found it's gonna be out. Good. He's going to write week... it on paper. Right. We found out this week that Sting is the. First inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame for 2016. Uh, I think 
This was the whole reason to sign Sting in the first place. Give him a WrestleMania match, put him in the Hall of Fame, and we're good. I th- They might be rushing it. I think he probably would have wrestled this year at WrestleMania had he not been injured uh, at the hands. Do you think he's done? Of the architect. Yeah, I think he's probably done. And, and, and from a lot of people, based on the injury. I think that it's not an injury you come back from, especially at his age. I think it's a very, uh, it's it's an edge-like injury. I just, I, I don't think that he's coming back from it, um, which I'm fine with. I mean, honestly, some people said that they were disappointed with Sting's run. And I guess you could be disappointed in the fact that it seemed like it cut off early. Well, yeah, it could cut off early because he was hurt. But, like, I, I think I'm in the very minority when I think Sting should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm happy that he's going into the Hall of Fame. I'm excited to see him go into the Hall of Fame. I would have felt exactly the same had he never wrestled a WWE match. I didn't need to see it. It I didn't make any difference. I feel a little reverse Earl Hebner about it, in the sense that, like, Earl Hebner's in, what, the TNA Hall of Fame, right? I guess so. Well, nobody knows Earl Hebner from TNA. Nobody knows Sting from WWE. I guess so. No, you're right about that, and that argument's been made before with other people, but I think... Because WWE has decided to go out and kind of... WWE is now wrestling. Like, they went out and bought all the tape libraries. So when you turn on the WWE network, you get WCW, you get ECW, you get World Class, you get Championship Wrestling from Florida, you get everything. Uh, So in my mind, and you could definitely have that argument, but in my mind, I feel like the WWE Hall of Fame is kind of the American Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. And, you know, like like uh, Carlos Colon is in the Hall of Fame, and I think Abdullah the Butcher is in the Hall of Fame. And You don't feel strongly that there's a few other people you'd have put before him that are older, too? Well, I don't really feel—I don't get upset about who goes in and who doesn't go in. I, I definitely—I mean, there's not that many headliners that should be going in before Sting at this point. You know, there's not, there's not that many left. I think— are there headliners in your mind? Because there'll be other spots this year. True. You know what I mean? So it's not like he's the only person going into the Hall of Fame this year. But as far as taking that headliner spot, you know, the Warrior had it, Macho Man had it, Sting has it. Yeah, there's not that many other big headliners, are there? IRS and Tatanka? They're not headline Come acts. on! No. They could still go into the Hall of Fame this year because they're not headliners. Tatanka is still campaigning. I, although I think hashtag Tatanka loves barbecue sauce has more repeats than hashtag Tatanka to the Hall of Fame. But, <laughs> but uh, no, Tatanka and IRS would not be considered uh, headline Hall of Fame. If I were Tatanka, I wouldn't want a Hall of Fame. I would run with that Legends deal. He can. I mean, it's both. No, you don't want that. You don't want that. Why don't you want Hall of Fame? Because it's, 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 it's paired with age to me. He's not a young man. Well, you, you could... It's like the... the He's not going to have another WWE It's a Jedi run. mind trick. If you act like you are, then you are. Katie, like, I know we had him on the podcast, and he said... And I know we talk about him a lot, and I apologize. No, we should talk about him every week. But... You're right. When he said, I know he said on the podcast... I support you. I know he said on the podcast... That you never know when he's going to have another match or whatever. Well, now we officially know that we made that happen. But so, Dennis, I like to think we made it happen. We did make it happen. Okay. We're, we were directly responsible for all of his success over the last year. Absolutely. But Dennis Stamp said the same thing in Beyond the Mat, and it had been about 15 years since his last match. Tatanka's not having another WWE run. He's not going to be in the WWE again. I'm not even 100% sure why He's he... going to be in the Royal Rumble. You could have a Hall of Famer in the Royal Rumble. 
It would be I, he may be in the Royal Rumble. Remember when the Royal Rumble used to be fun like that? Like you, it would have like three it's, vintage. What well, still is? I mean, remember DDP mm. Yoga in his T-shirt? Oh, you, that's a, that's a fair point, right? And Bubba made his return last year. Yeah, but that doesn't count because he's not a, a, he's like a one of the old timers. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, Tatanka's not. I don't. I don't really understand Tatanka's second run in WWE all that well. See, exactly. So I'm proving my point. But he's definitely not getting another WWE run. Dude, he got the freaking contract. He got the what? Legends contract. So what does that even mean? You le- don't know. I know what the Legends contract means. It means that they're allowed to put out Tatanka merchandise. That's it. And that you know, at WrestleMania, maybe he'll be at Access in the Legends booth. But that's all that means. It does, he's not getting another run. Boogeyman has a Legends contract. Lots of people have Legends contracts. <laughs> Boogeyman. Boogeyman has a WWE Legends contract. Okay? Another one of my favorites. Just because Tatanka was the most public about his and made it seem like this amazing honor, big deal thing. Like, it's a Legends contract. Hall of Fame is a much bigger deal. I don't think Tatanka should be like, well, pretty satisfied with my Legends contract. It means you can make toys, but I might still. You know, it's just never good enough for you, Sam. He should. If, 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 no. No, the Hall of Fame is significantly better than well, a Legends Well, then maybe we should contract. lobby for that, too. To talk in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Here's what I'm interested in. Barbecue Hall of Fame. <laughs> it's new. I would imagine... It's German. It's JR's. Yeah. I would imagine that this has to mean that The Undertaker will not be part of the Hall of Fame this year, which is very, very interesting because he can't you know have... You're totally right about that. You didn't think about that, right? No. Because he can't have that many more in him. And they're in Texas, his hometown. So one would have thought that he would go into the Hall of Fame this year. I hoped that he went into the Hall of Fame this year. Let's say... You think he would double dip on that? Not anymore. I mean, what do you mean double dip? You think he's not going to be in Mania at all? In no, any I, think, way, shape, I think he'll have... Well, we'll talk about that. That's another whole thing to talk about because I did not do a bonus John Cena podcast. So we have a lot to talk oh, about with that. Oh, people are going to be pissed at you, dude. They were. But... um Let's say, for argument's sake, just to have the discussion, The Undertaker did go into the Hall of Fame this year. Who's the headline? Undertaker or Sting? Oh, come on. It's it's Undertaker, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like because there's a lack of headliners to go into the Hall of Fame, they're going to save The Undertaker for next year. I don't think you could even try to disagree with that. Right. I think that it's pretty obvious that Sting is the guy this year, Undertaker will be next year. Again, I think there's just something to be associated with legacy and age, which Mm -hmm. I don't think is a bad thing. Right. just saying you don't put Taker and Mania against who now, and we'll get to that. Well, I mean— But then put him in the Hall of Fame? It's what they did to Rick— Two very different things. No, but it's what they did—it's the Ric Flair But But Ric Flair is different on—I still feel like— he comes out and you know he's an icon and, and, and older in the sense that Taker's still getting some pretty big matches. I, maybe I'm wrong in this. Well, here's the thing. It's rare. You're right that it's very rare. But if we can acknowledge that it's The Undertaker's last match at WrestleMania, there's nothing wrong with him going into the Hall of Fame the, the night before. Year. Or the night before, even. Because I totally disagree. Ric Flair had his last match, quote-unquote, with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 24. Then you get, like, the sympathy card, too. Rick went into the Hall of Fame the night before his last match. And that's the sort of poetic thing that I guess is in my mind when I say The Undertaker could have gone in this year and then had his last match. But, yeah, I mean, in my mind... You stretch it out, man. If The Undertaker is going is not going in this year, I feel like The Undertaker is going to wrestle the same weekend he goes into the Hall of Fame. 
I feel like The Undertaker's last match and his Hall of Fame induction is going to be in the I'll same I'll bet weekend. you on that. Okay. Okay. All right. Do you think that what do you think this WrestleMania will be his last match? It's hard now because I don't know the card. I don't know what the, and we'll talk about that. Well, I, let's talk about Hall of Fame and then cuz we can get into that. It'll it'll lead right into WrestleMania. It's going to have to be big enough. I'm going to get us right there. Don't you worry about that, Linen doll. Yeah. Um do you have anybody that you think is definitely going into the Hall of Fame this year other than IRS and Tatanka? Or anybody that you think definitely should? Mm. I guess I haven't thought about it enough. I mean, there's lots of guys. Like the, right, the, but to he, say this year specific, who knows, right? The, the card to me always has to like kind of just, like you're saying, there, there's like certain spots that need filled. Yes. So you can't go huge, huge. I feel who like. Who are you going with? I feel like there's a, I, I feel like I know a couple of things that they have to do. They're in Dallas, Texas. Home, and this is probably reaching back even farther than, than Katie Linendahl time. Home of the Sportatorium which is a classic building for wrestling where they ran world-class championship wrestling out of. The Von Ericks are already in the Hall of Fame. So in my mind, Michael P.S. Hayes and the fabulous Freebirds will undoubtedly go into the Hall of Fame this year. That feels like the Bushwhacker spot. I wouldn't go. That's going to insult a lot of people. No, sorry, I'm just saying. I know, I know, but you just pissed off. A lot of world class. I take fans. it back. I take it back. I I like it. I like when you when you make your statements. Well, see, you just fuel the fire because then you get more people pissed by putting a spotlight on what I just said. I don't even know any of their work, so right. let's start there. That's well, outside of my era, the Freebirds are uh, a legendary tag team. But you're right; they never made their time in WWE. They had a couple matches, and of course, Michael Hayes went on to be a great writer. And who can forget Doc Hendricks? the interviewer version of Michael Hayes. But the Fabulous Freebirds and the Von Erichs uh, was a main event that ran world-class championship wrestling and ran Texas wrestling for a long, long time. I mean, it filled up buildings what for year is a that? long, long time. Uh, early 80s, like 83, 84. I was still in a womb. Right. And it was world-class championship wrestling. We weren't getting it on the East Coast. So this is interesting, though. Give me more current inductee. Other than the Fabulous Freebirds? Yes. My other one that I think is definitely going in is Lemmy. I think there's no doubt in my mind that Lemmy will get the celebrity spot. I was watching Triple H uh, at the Lemmy funeral this week. I think undeniably, and you know, you can make just as much an argument for Lemmy as you could any other celebrity. I'd say Lemmy, as far as celebrities go, deserves more of a spot in the Hall of Fame than Arnold. Sure. Right? Sure. Because, you know, Arnold, and, and I don't mind Arnold being in the Hall of Fame. I really don't have a problem with the celebrity wing. But I think Lemmy has just as much room to be on the, in the celebrity wing as Donald Trump does. You know, Donald Trump helped facilitate a couple of WrestleManias and was part of a couple main events. Lemmy wrote and performed the game, the King of Kings, and the Evolution theme songs. Three of, I mean, we still, uh, we, uh, Triple H is still coming out to the game. Every now and then, because that song is so good. Yeah. Um, and Lemmy performed uh, multiple times live for Triple H. Um, and so there's no doubt in my mind that Lemmy will get the spot. Over Flo Rida? Uh, yeah, I think Flo Rida might be upset. And uh, Heath Slater will officially uh, be pissed because well, he was going to induct Flo Rida. Right. But I think, I think Triple H will probably induct Lemmy into the Hall of Fame this year. That's a good call. That's I, solid. I think Triple H will induct Lemmy, and I think Ric Flair will induct Sting. Unless Sting does some weird pick, like the Ultimate Warrior when he picked Linda McMahon. (laughs) 
But I think uh, <laughs> I think I think it would make the most sense to me if Flair inducts Sting. Because guess what? Hogan ain't going to do it because he ain't touching a live mic with a WWE logo on it anytime no. soon. Uh, nope. So that's that's what I think, you know. And then you'll have your other spots. I could easily see Tatanka going in this year. IRS could definitely go in this year because you got Bo Dallas and Bray Wyatt. Um, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of mid card guys that deserve spots that could go in. That's not going to be a tough card to fill out. And by the way, IRS also has a Legends deal, um, so it won't be tough. It won't be tough to get them. You know, at some point. And I don't think it'll be this year, but at some point Xbox got to go in, right? Because every other member of the Click is in the Hall of Fame except for Xbox. Um, I don't think it'll be this year, and I don't think Xbox wants it to be this year because it's like another Click, another Click member, another mm-hmm. Click member, another Click member. I would say give it a few years, and then we'll put Xbox in um, and have Scott Hall induct him. But uh, he definitely deserves to be there. Uh, but yeah, and then. So you'll have the Freebirds, Lemmy, Sting. I don't know, maybe somebody international. I don't know. There's there's still a long time to go. So let's get back to the Undertaker and uh, uh, what he's going to do. I think he'll probably do something at WrestleMania. Now here's my list: John Cena, Seth Rollins, you wrote it on a napkin. Hideo Itami, Randy Orton. Cesaro, Page, Sasha Banks. That's just off the top of my head. That That is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven big names that are currently on the inactive list due to injury. Did you write that on blood on a napkin? I did. I did. I opened up. I opened up a vein. Looks kind of gross. Well, that's what I do. I mean what I I say. I feel like you're even missing quite a few. I I probably am. That's just off the top of my head. Right before you got here, Katie. All these people are injured. Um, It's made WrestleMania a lot different. It's gonna. It's made the Royal Rumble a lot different. I don't think that uh, Roman Reigns defending his title in the Royal Rumble match was the plan before all these injuries happened. I certainly don't think Kalisto winning the United States title was the plan, but congrats to Kalisto. Congrats. I'm excited Did we about call it. That? Did we call that? I Well, here's the thing. People told me, you remember what I said, and you know I love to take credit. Mm-hmm. And you should. You know, it's not your fault, pal, that I keep saying pal on TV now. Sure it isn't, Vince. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't know you were talking about one versus all, pal. Okay, oh, yeah. Vince. All right, Vince. But mm-hmm. I said during the tournament, you asked me, in earnest, if you if I thought that they had mistreated Kalisto when he lost in the tournament to Alberto Del Rio, and that like it was like there was this buildup and then just nothing, and I said that no, that that was the beginning of a slow build. That like he went past the first round, and for a second you thought he was going to be able to beat Del Rio. Um, and people, there were people that thought I was wrong about that. That thought I was nuts. That still nobody cares about Kalisto. Obviously, prime time was right again. Right again. Because. Uh, what they've done, kind of under the radar, and they don't really do this very much anymore, is they've managed to slowly have this organic build where we are becoming more and more familiar with Kalisto, where he's still, you know, the underdog, but he's winning matches. You know, he's we're not surprised to see him on Raw, but he's still that sort of upset victory guy. Uh, and I think it's awesome. Awesome. So, so what do you do with Sin Cara at this point? Well, that's the problem. I feel bad for Sin Cara. But I feel like Lucha, the, the, the... Lucha Dragons? Yeah, I feel like that whole Lucha 
steal though the whole brand behind it like that's also exciting so i think that works i think it yeah the whole lucha lucha yeah i think that's great and the t-shirts are great and i don't think they're going to separate the lucha dragons i think but uh kind of have to now no i think sincara can just be his like uh supporter dude you know what i mean like there's no reason for sincara to get shitty about it like he can just be yeah i got your back dude congrats because you know Sincara number two, numero dos, is not going to be a breakout star. But he's not going to be wrestling right now. I mean, maybe, maybe That's not. That's a press pause. You know, he might come to the ring with Kalisto. I don't know. Or maybe they will press pause on him. I mean, you know, the fact that the Sincara character has survived as long as it has. With, I think they're great. With as many. I think they're great, too. He's high-flying, man. But uh, Sincara as a character has had so many stops. Like, no, this is over. And they keep going forward with it. Somehow, I think Sin Cara, no matter who is under that mask, will survive. I mean, this is not... You know, the Sin Cara that we see on Raw is not the Sin Cara that debuted on television. The it's, Sin- it's like the Repo Man. Yeah, I mean, this Hunico is under the mask. Mm-hmm. Sin Cara's rival. Because Sin Cara was such a disaster that they were like, okay, look, we invested a lot of money into Sin Cara, but we got to get rid of this guy. All he does is botch spots. He just gets injured and botches all the time. And so they get rid of Sin Cara, and they're like, but we invested too much money in this Sin Cara character. So, Hunico, you're good at what you do. Why don't you put the mask on? Right. So he goes, okay, and then Sin Cara gets a tattoo and about 50 pounds added to him, and the new Sin Cara comes out. Hey, you know. And, but, you know, he brings Kalisto with him, and I think Kalisto— is also from Russia. Right. I mean, come on. Right. We're not smart fans. It's I'm, pro I'm the wrestling. first one that's going to believe into it. Right. It's, you're supposed to. It's pro wrestling. Okay. But I think Kalisto is the marquee guy there, you know? Kalisto is the guy that they're like, oh, this is, he's the special, offers something different— Guy, now the team is great, but I think they were like after he jacked himself up on that ladder. They're like, listen, here's the deal: maybe if you really just totally f yourself up on that ladder, right, and get a slammy out of it, you have to win the slammy too. It's twofold. It's like double or nothing. Mm-hmm. We might give you a push. Right, I think the slammy had a lot to do with it. I do too. But I mean, the the major factor is uh, they don't have Rey Mysterio, and they used to have a guy who is a heavy fan favorite that uh, the Latino community loved. And they don't have that guy right now. And the Latino community is very valuable to WWE. So they've got Alberto Del Rio, who's a bad guy. So they're building Kalisto into, like, the next Rey Mysterio, who's their Latino hero, which I think is great. And Sin Cara 2 slash Doink takes the bench. For now. Okay, fair For enough. Now. That's the longest we've ever talked about Kalisto. Well, he's the United States champion of the world. Well, you know what? He's the U.S. champion. You he deserves that, to be talked you about. You get that championship, You, we talk about you for as long as you want. I'll turn this into the Sam Roberts Kalisto podcast. He will. Yeah. Because it's just showing you do what you want. That's exactly right. Now, I don't know who's going to win the Royal Rumble. I wouldn't be I don't think it'll be Brock anymore. That was my prediction before, but a lot's changed since then. A lot has changed. My prediction before was that Brock Lesnar would win the Royal Rumble and... Uh, challenge Sheamus for the title at WrestleMania. A lot's changed. A lot of injuries has happened, have happened. Uh, A lot of stipulations have been added to matches. Uh, So it's not, we're not playing on that field anymore. This is fun. So can you redo it? Are you prepared to? No. I mean, I've been thinking about it a lot because I don't have a life. Um, (laughs) And, you know, there's part of me 
You know, here's the thing. The way the Royal Rumble is set up right now is very, very exciting. It's going to be a really fun Royal Rumble to watch. Really fun. You know, probably the funnest. I said last week, the 1992 Royal Rumble is far and away the best one they've ever done. Uh, Some people tweeted at me that they didn't like that I was so, you know, black and white about it because they liked uh, the 40-man Royal Rumble, which, I, you know, that just had more people in it. Or the one that Vince won in, I think, 97 or 98, which was a great Royal Rumble. And there have been a few good ones. But 92 Royal Rumble, where Ric Flair won the heavyweight championship of the world, was the best Royal Rumble match. Uh, And the reason for that was the drama that is built. Now, there was a little even more drama in the 92 match because there was no champion. That's why they're saying now, Roman Reigns, this Royal Rumble is the first time a champion is defending the title in the Rumble. Because in 92, the title was vacant which means there is no champion, and one of these 30 guys, there's going to be a new champion. And you didn't know who it was, and it ended up being Flair, which was a huge surprise, I think. I don't know. I was like eight years old. But um, I'm, I, I think it adds a huge amount of drama and, and fun to the Royal Rumble match, the idea going in where I'm getting tweets from people that are you know sending me their fantasy bookings, which I enjoy, uh, but people think Kevin Owens could walk out with the title. Bray Wyatt could walk out with the title. I'll tell you why Dolph Ziggler won't walk out with the title. Because Vince McMahon doesn't know his name. After all these years, Vince McMahon thinks his name is Dolph Ziggler. I thought that was just me. No. I told, I'm so glad you said that. Man. We didn't talk about this before. And then he continued to say it like six times. Like it was like, you know when you say something three times, you own that word in your vocabulary? It's like, uh. dude, just stop saying it, though. Maybe it'll be Ziegler. That's not his name, Vince. Ziegler. Dude, where is Dolph Ziegler? Where? Where's Dolph Ziegler? Where's Dolph? Oh. You know, you've been saying for 10 years you want to grab the brass ring, maybe? I didn't Dolph- even know you were here the last 10 years. <laughs> maybe Dolph Ziegler will be the champion. And Ziegler's like, yeah, I guess that's that's possible. Uh, maybe. No, it won't happen. We need to make some uh, side plates that say Ziegler on them. Oh, my God. Vince, why do we need Ziegler plates? Because, damn it, he's the champion. His name's Ziegler. What? He's his- kind of popular, Vince. His name is Dolph Ziegler. Well, He's know. been here for like 20 years. Who approved that? Who approved his name to be Ziegler? I said Ziegler. Change his name. Uh, he's been here 10 years. That's really going to stick out, Vince. I don't care. I'm Vince McMahon, damn it. And if I say someone's name is Ziegler, it's Ziegler. <laughs> now bring me some steak, pal. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so no, it won't be Dolph. <laughs> but, no, but... <laughs> Not a chance. But you go Ship through. Sailed. You're like, it could be it could be Seamus. It could be Brock. It could be Kevin Owens. It could be Bray Wyatt, but it won't be Bray Wyatt. Uh, it could be a surprise entrant. It could be Chris Jericho. Um, there's a lot of people that it could be. I think there's a couple schools of thought. It's very possible that Roman Reigns wins the Royal Rumble again this year. I would hope he does not. Because you will, no matter how much good work they've done in the last month or two, to get the fans back on Roman's side, he will get booed out of the building if he wins the Royal Rumble again. If Roman Reigns wins the Royal Rumble, he will be booed again. Again. And so you can't have Roman win the Royal Rumble. Uh, I think there should be a new champion. Um, I would not be surprised if Triple H wins the Royal Rumble this year. That's good. That's solid. I would not be surprised if we don't hear from Triple H. Until the Royal Rumble. Mm, comes out at last? Maybe not at 30. I, I, I don't know what number he comes out at. 
But we don't hear from him. We got a couple weeks. You know, it's very possible. Vince is on TV until Triple H comes back. Linendahl, you called that. I yeah. said it wasn't going to happen. You called that. I got one. Congrats to you. Um, so Vince is on TV with Stephanie until the Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble comes. We're in the middle of the match, number 24, number 25, whatever it is. Behold, the King of Kings. Dun, dun. And you go, what? Oh, my God. And Triple H comes out. And he's like, you know, if nobody else is going to get this done for me, I'm going to get it done myself. Triple H wins the title. And now uh, Roman has to win a match at Fastlane in order to get his shot at WrestleMania. Mm. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's against Brock. Maybe you have Roman against Brock at Fastlane with the winner getting the title shot. And somebody's going to, for some reason, maybe Kevin Owens cost Brock the match. Somebody cost Brock the match. Because if you've got a Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns rematch at Fastlane, not at WrestleMania, I don't think that match is going to work as a rematch at WrestleMania. But I'd say finally have your Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar rematch at Fastlane. The winner gets to go to WrestleMania to face our heavyweight champion, Triple H, in the main event. I would have Roman Reigns win that match. I would have Brock Lesnar have a story as to why he did not win that match. And Brock Lesnar needs to seek revenge on someone at WrestleMania for his loss. Maybe it's Kevin Owens. I don't know who it is. I know it might sound played out. Tell me. But given the recent developments, yes. could we see, again, you might think this is dumb, I'm prefacing, Right. Lesnar Taker. It was solid. I mean, it's possible, but I don't know if any, I don't know if a fourth Lesnar Taker match is a draw um, like it was. And I mean, they built up the Survivor Series match, no, not the, the Hell in a Cell match, as the last one. Now... That's okay, not then, to, is that's this not a good to time they, to segue to who in the hell he's going to... Undertaker? Yeah. It's not to say it's 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 the first time that they've ever been wrong. It's not to say it's the first time they've ever lied. I'm not going to sit here and tell you there is no way an Undertaker-Brock Lesnar match is happening at WrestleMania. I just can't think of a better card. Well, unless you go Wyatt. Here's why you don't do that with Lesnar. He's a confirmed good guy now. He's confirmed good guy. So I don't know what that does for anybody. It's a good match or whatever. I just don't know what that does for anybody. Uh, I would see Lesnar... If Lesnar and Kevin Owens happens, and you could get to there in the way I just told you, like if if, if Kevin Owens That's costs... That's most probable. ...costs Lesnar, like... Yeah, imagine if if Kevin Owens cost Lesnar his title shot at Fastlane. I mean, that's pretty big. That that's that's solid. And then Lesnar, that's way solid, right? That way, because Le- you can't have Lesnar hunting the title again because you can't have him as champion again. But that moves me to Undertaker. Um. By the way, can I just briefly say you can. an interjection because it's only gonna be a sentence? What a missed opportunity to do what you had said to do with right. the Wyatts and turn them totally heel on everybody on oh. Raw. Just lay out everybody. Just a missed opportunity. I mean, I, I it was yeah. Set up so perfectly. It is. I'll, I'll tell you this. I like the uh, uh, the social outcasts. Of course, I don't like the name, but I like the faction. I think that they run a risk, and so does the Usos, for that matter. It's like the new Spirit Squad in a way. The Usos and the social outcasts need to not make sure. I'm not saying they are. I'm saying they run the risk, and they need to make sure that they are not going out there and being New Day. Oh my gosh, I was th- totally. Especially the Usos on Raw. I was going to say especially Social Outcasts. And Social Outcasts, yeah, I'll say the More same so. thing. On Raw on Monday, I thought the Usos were trying to be New Day funny. 
And it's like, that doesn't work for you guys because you win all the time. Like, that doesn't work. Um, yeah, I think the social outcasts need to not be New Day because they it will never work. Um, they can be funny. You know, they can they can still be a great faction. They can be entertaining to watch. Uh, they just, just have to find their own. Just find your own niche, and I think it's possible. Um, but yeah, I think... I didn't mind so... I would have liked to have seen the Wyatts lay everybody out, but I was at least glad that they were dominating the social outcasts. You know what I mean? Like, when it was just four on four, the Wyatts were destroying them. There was no doubt in anybody's mind. Yeah, I just think there was a bigger opportunity. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Um, But hopefully they will destroy Ryback at some point. Um, So, you're left with a WrestleMania match. John Cena is injured. The reason I didn't do a John Cena bonus podcast is because by the next day, I was kind of feeling it out, and I was figuring out how I felt, and I just... The Seth Rollins injury was as urgent as wrestling news can get. He's the world champion. He's got a whole storyline planned, and snap of the finger, he's out. John Cena had been back for two weeks. They were just starting to set things up with him. So I feel like for John Cena to be out, it's like, okay, we'll just take a time machine back two weeks and act like he didn't come back, and we're fine. We'll just keep going the way we were going. Um... The only real hiccup is I had no doubt in my mind that the Undertaker-John Cena match was finally going to happen. And that was, to me, the obvious WrestleMania match. That, to me, is the obvious last match for the Undertaker. I would not be surprised. And again, this is me and conjecture. I would not be surprised if WWE did maybe plan on having the Undertaker's last match this year with John Cena and is now pushing it off a year. You know, because I I just don't think there's anybody left to have a last match with The Undertaker the way John Cena is Is, is it even in question to have him sit this one out? I'd say it's in question. Um, I'd say it's not... I can't say it's probable, but I can say it's possible, for sure. Uh, you know, I, I, I would expect Undertaker to wrestle a match at WrestleMania, but I wouldn't be that surprised if he didn't, you know, to answer that question. And maybe... I feel like the car is just getting a little... I mean, maybe you do your rematch with Bray. That's what I was saying. Maybe that is where you strong. go. strong. You know, but I swear to the Lord Almighty in heaven, <laughs> I will burn Dallas's brand new 100,000 seat, Sam, you can't say those beautiful stadium to the ground. You can't say those things. If Bray Wyatt days. loses to the Undertaker Everybody's again. Everybody's very sensitive. Is that right? You think very that just cost sensitive. me my Everybody's WrestleMania on ticket? These days. If any, well, then don't have Bray Wyatt lose, and I won't set anything on fire. Please, for the love of everything, if I wish, anyone in creative is listening, I would love somebody to go through this. We would this. love to not have an arson take place. Yeah, yeah. You know, you talk to the owner of the Cowboys. I'm sure he wants to play another season in that stadium. There's one way to get it done. This is a hostage a hostage situation. <laughs> give me my Bray Wyatt Undertaker match one on one and give me my Bray Wyatt victory. Or there is gonna be a hot night in Texas. This man is taking this very seriously. Yeah. Yeah. A hot night in Texas. And I mean look, if everybody gets out of the stadium, everybody gets out. If they don't, they don't. It's not my problem. <laughs> it's not my problem. Okay? Cause that thing is going up in flames. Scoreboard and all. Yeah, the whole thing. I'm gonna the whole shebang. I'm going to start with that big, ugly screen. <laughs> Light that mother up. 
I would love for somebody to go through all the old podcasts and do a montage of everything. Every time I've said I'm going to light something on fire. <laughs> Seriously. That's kind of my go-to. But I, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll be so upset. Oh, That's man. my only fear. I, I, I Here's the way I think it should go. <laughs> and it will go this way unless people want a big stadium to be on fire. But... <laughs> Fire. On fire. But um, I love The Undertaker. I think he's run his course, as I've said many times. I think he, if John Cena's not around, should wrestle Bray Wyatt this year at WrestleMania. He should lose against Bray Wyatt this year at WrestleMania. He should be off TV for a year again. He should come back after next year's Royal Rumble, the 2017 Royal Rumble. And he should go on TV and he should call out John Cena as the one guy that he hasn't beaten at WrestleMania. Because he can still go out and say, I've beaten everybody at WrestleMania. Because he did beat Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania last year. Bray can still have the victory this year. And then Bray can go off on a whole other thing with him being a guy who beat The Undertaker. Two guys have done it, right? Who wins that match, Cena or Taker? Cena. If it's Taker's last match, Cena. You're still saying, I was trying to get you off your game on that one. No, Cena, gonna happen. Cena beats The Undertaker in his last match. But that's, that's, that's I guess, where I would go. But you're going to have a WrestleMania with no Seth Rollins, no John Cena. Man. You know? I mean, that's big. Sasha Banks is apparently out with a knee injury. For how long? Don't know. Paige is out with a concussion, which you'd say, okay, so she'll be back in a month. Yeah, okay, tell it to Daniel Bryan. Um... <laughs> Would, that would be amazing. Yeah, I Bryan. knew you were going to go but, there. But I'm not going to I'm not going to go into one of those things again. Orton is supposedly going to be back soon, but I don't think Orton's the savior that everybody mm-hmm. needs right now. Um, I tell you, if Cesaro can get back soon, he could be in a very nice spot with no Rollins and no Cena on TV. If Cesaro can get back sooner than they can, he can be in a very very nice spot in terms of a main event player. This came up, and I don't know, because I don't know anything about fitness, but um, somebody told me that they think it's because everybody's doing CrossFit, and CrossFit's bad for your body, and so now they're getting injured. Rollins does CrossFit, Cesaro does CrossFit. Sam. I don't know anything about it. Sam. I don't do a lot of CrossFit. How did all these injuries happen? CrossFit. You go through one, one by one, how did these injuries happen? Well, I mean, they were wrestling injuries. But it's wear and tear on the body. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even care enough to talk about it. I mean, it is it even a point of contention, though, that... It's going in a totally different it's, direction. It, it, but, it I, but the schedule is insane, man. Well, there's a couple things to talk about. Maybe Look at we'll, that list. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. You didn't week. even add Tyson Kidd to that. Tyson Kidd is still on the list. Yeah, I don't even know if he's coming back. Uh, we'll talk about it next week. But uh, I want to talk about the idea of SmackDown being utilized. I don't think you need a full brand split. But I think you can do storylines that are SmackDown exclusive, which maybe alleviates some of the amount that guys are working and will bring viewers to SmackDown. Uh, I also think that you've got two rosters. Use the fact that you have two rosters, I feel like, to make people work less shows, not to just work more shows because you've got two rosters. Well, there's something obviously happening with that SmackDown push, not just because it switched networks. I feel like now the, what, this raw was this raw to me had a very different feel right out the gate. Certainly, a lot more certainly entertainment. Yeah, and I think just the mention of SmackDown and what happened on SmackDown. Right. No, that's true. And they brought in Moro. They brought in Moro Ronaldo. Right. To be the play-by-play guy. I don't know if you got a chance to see SmackDown, but uh, Moro. It's really interesting listening to him because he's great. 
You do like him. I like him. I think he's really good. Uh, I think he adds... He's kind of a, a voice that wrestling fans need to hear in the sense that he adds authenticity to it. He tells the stories. He's excited about everything. Like, he's doing... And he's treating it very, very seriously. Um, it's interesting because a lot of the announcing is not just people's personal choices. It's the way they're trained. And it appears that he has different instructions than were given to, say, a Byron Saxton or a Tom Phillips or a, who's the guy that just left SmackDown? Rich Brennan. Um, it feels like there's a different standard that Moro is held to uh, and that he's got different marching orders, which I think is okay because I think it works for him. Uh, and I think it's a step in the right direction. Is, this isn't the view. We can have an honest dialogue. What do you mean by that? Well, I don't think that Morrow has the same instructions in terms of this is how we do commentary. I think Morrow is like, okay, Morrow, I think. He, he's doing a little of like what he wants, in other words. A little bit. He's okay. doing his own thing. And I love the view, but you know where that was a. Right. Okay. Totally. Sure. Totally. We're not uh, PC, is what you're saying. Um, but. Uh, I think Morrow on SmackDown, I was noticing, brought... And this is... You can say what you want about Jerry Lawler's commentary, but this is what a, a legend and a professional and how long Jerry Lawler's been doing it. I think Lawler, as the show was going on, was picking up on what Morrow was doing, and Morrow was actually bringing Lawler up with him because Lawler was seeing, okay, this is the type of commentator that Morrow is. We haven't had this type of commentator in literally decades. Um, I mean, since JR, we haven't had a Morrow type of commentator. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying they're the same type, of, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. JR did JR commentary. Morrow is doing Morrow commentary, not commentary from single guy screaming in their ear. So Lawler, I think, picked up on that quickly because Lawler started real quickly going into his old sort of heelish yep. color commentator roots, and he was doing a much better job than he has in the past. Uh, so I think that's interesting, and if that's uh, a matter of... That to me is a perfect example, though, of like on the business side of things, how they operate, you have to pull from the outside. Like I feel no. like nobody internally would be given that good grace if no, that's what's I, happening. I don't think anybody internally would be given that good grace, and I also, I believe that there's a different person. I don't think it's Vince McMahon who's, who's giving Morrow his instructions. Same way, you know, you watch NXT and WWE and it's two separate things. I don't think it's Triple H, but I don't think it's Vince McMahon giving Morrow his instructions. Hmm. But I think Morrow's getting great instructions. And I think that it is a step in the right direction. And I think it's a matter of time before... Uh, I, I could easily see within a year or two Morrow being in Michael Cole's, Cole's spot on Raw, which is not a shot on Michael Cole. I don't even think Michael Cole would fight that. Um, I think that's, that's to say Morrow's good enough to do that. I could easily see Morrow in the Michael Cole spot um, when 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 the time comes, and I think that would be a decision that Michael Cole himself would make. I'm not saying Morrow's better than Michael Cole. I think Michael Cole's pretty outstanding and takes a lot of flack because there's a lot that goes on in that announcing world. Oh, well, I can imagine. You know, I mean, I know I've. I've done auditions. I've done an audition for the announcing thing. Like I understand a little That's bit. That's like a podcast in itself. Yeah, People I mean, would be really interesting. I don't want. I'm sure. Yeah, and I mean, I'll talk about it. But like, I know that there are ways of doing things there, and I know that Morrow has been giving a little bit more flexibility, and I think it's a, a great step in the right direction. He sounds like a breath of fresh air, um, and he's good enough to be given that 
leeway. You know what I mean? Like you said, you bring somebody up who has never done this before. Or just internally. I, I feel like in, right. in having worked for so many different companies, it, the way somebody's treated from the outside, which isn't always fair. No. Right. No, you're right. But Right. Even if they were in WWE for 10 years, they I'm still saying. wouldn't be given that. Uh, and I think that's right. But but I don't think it's a negative thing. I think uh, Mauro is going to start shifting everything into a more uh, into a better direction. I think it's going to be good. I think he's going to end up on pay-per-views. I think he's going to end up on Raw eventually. Um, yeah, and I, I and I think I mean uh, I think Michael Cole had a lot to do with Mauro getting hired. So does he eventually bump Cole? I don't know if bump is the right word. Um, I mean, Cole's been doing it for a long time, and I don't think well, I, bump isn't the right word. I think Cole probably brought Mauro in. Knowing that that could happen, you know what I mean. But maybe he wants that. He's been doing it forever. That's what I mean. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I could see Morrow in Michael Cole's spot, shall we say, um, when Michael Cole is ready to surrender it. That's that's how huh. I feel about it. When Michael Cole is ready to give up that spot, I could see Morrow in it. That makes sense. And you know, by the way, he's done one show, so it's a little counting your chickens. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe he'll become a bomberu within a month, but. Based on what I see and based on what I think and based on his history, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, so I was impressed. I liked it. Katie. We also just like to say we like TNA this week. Yeah. I talked about that a little bit at the top of the show, but uh, we went to the TNA show and, and it was it was a really fun Solid show. man. They got a lot of talent on the roster. I talked to they Billy, got a baby on the roster. They Sam. got a baby on the roster. I talked to Billy Corgan a little bit backstage. Yep. And that's what he was kind of focused on, the amount of talent that's on the roster and how do we translate that into a good show. The one thing about TNA, as I said, I think that every time I see TNA, I feel like, oh, this could be the start of something new. But I've, it's never gone past this could be the start of something new. It's always this is the start of something. This is the start of something. This is the start of something. And I've never seen it get flushed out over there. Hopefully it does. We'll Speaking see. of talent on the roster, we have to address that um, just one complaint. What? The lack of bullfit. I've, I've held... My thoughts on this for many weeks. Look, without Bullfit, we would not have a photo of Katie Linendahl's abs on Instagram. <laughs> you know, I would not be able to see Katie Linendahl in her workout gear on Instagram. So, Bullfit has given all of us a lot. What's up, Sam? I don't know. We haven't seen Bull Dempsey on NXT TV in a while. He's still doing the live shows and everything. I think Bull Dempsey is amazing. I um, think we need a hashtag Bullfit, where like you're just eating a bunch of crap, you know? Right, or, yeah. Um, we have two Heyman DVDs left. Okay. Should we give those out? Yeah. So we'll give out a couple of, of the Blue Paul Rays. Heyman DVD, Blu-rays. And uh, you tweet uh, tweet out hashtag mm-hmm. uh, Bullfit for TV. Yeah. Oh, Bull, that's good, dude. Bullfit for TV. F-O-R-T-V. Hashtag Bullfit for TV. And of course, you got to mention Bull Dempsey. Well, yeah. He's going to get blown up. This is great. We have um, a contest. Start ha- the year off right. Hashtag bullfit for TV. But they have to do anything? Like, they have to put a picture of, like, themselves eating crap food? Yeah. And, and post a photo of you eating your favorite junk food and a lot of it. You don't do what I did and post a picture of your abs. No, no, that, no, no, That no, makes no, no, no. no sense, actually. It doesn't. It's it, a poor choice on my part. It's not the gimmick. No. 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 Uh, so post that and the funniest photo will get, uh, uh, funniest two photos will get Blu-rays. You can follow Katie Linendahl on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Katie Linendahl. She has an amazing, amazing technology podcast called Katie.show. You can get it at the website, Katie, www.katie.show, or on iTunes if you search it out. Um, and uh, we'll see you back here next week. We're not really talking about James Storm that much, but he's in TNA, I guess, for the money. Um, 
Yeah, just threw that in yeah, there like it was like. <laughs> well, what are you going to talk about? Like, you know, he was never going to get to the main Chowski. roster. Yeah. So we'll see you later. Uh, thanks for joining us. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.